welcome to yet another edition of Sight and Insight, episode 15, a la prima. Uh, and if Connie, David and I sound a bit strange this morning, it's because we've just spent 10 minutes recording this and then I found I hadn't pressed the red button hard enough and nothing had happened. So we're redoing this and I just hope that we can be uh, as uh, as knowledgeable as we were the first time round, I wish you could have heard us. We were really good. <laughs> However, let's uh, let's move along here. So we're talking about Alla Prima, uh, and what is it? It's obviously one of those fancy foreign words, a bit like on plain air, and it probably means something quite simple. But Alla Prima sounds really good. So let's go straight away to David and say. Uh, what is Alla Prima and, and why is it helpful to, uh, to the outdoor painter? Well, a little bit of the historical background. It is a technique, and it, uh, I think Alla Prima means all at once, in one go. Um, it's like direct painting, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the French group of painters, um, um, also did this, so it goes back to um, a lot of a lot of the historians group it with a, a group of painters, Franz Hals, uh, Velazquez, uh, around that time of the um, the eighteenth so century. I've got sixteenth century. Sixteenth century, <laughs> even earlier, fifteen hundreds, um, in which they did a passage probably in some of their portraits. So I did a portrait in one go. They felt Velazquez. You can sort of see where he might have accomplished a, a head in one go and got the form that he wanted to render. Uh, he saw what he saw and was able to capture it in a short time. I think as we turn the clock forward and go into the 19th century, uh, we see much more of the application of alla prima in outdoor painting and not portraiture, mm -hmm. um, in which the outdoor painter saw the rare moment or the effect of light hitting objects at a certain time of day and realized that they couldn't bring it back. There would never be another day like the day they painted it on. So they would have to return to the spot. It wouldn't work, so they would try to get it all at once, try to get the effect of light, capturing the time of day, uh, the day of the week, and, um, and all that in a very short time. Can you no. get the day of the week in a painting? I, I, I think you could always title it Tuesday at 2. Oh, okay, so that would be, make it more clear, yeah. yeah. But didn't you, uh, I mean, the Impressionists were also trying to capitalize on a la prima uh, technique in, in their activities when, when they were going outdoors and, and trying to get, um, I'm just reminded of so many uh, dappled light you know, Renoir's um, paintings of dappled light on, on a woman's dress and, and the, the flowers and the path, and um, that's all a la prima. Yeah, and so it's, if you want to capture that immediate effect, it's pretty much that you have to use that technique. What is it, wet in wet, is that the other wet expression? Yeah. yeah, I think it's the other techniques to, to compare it to would be the bistering process, which is the very old-fashioned process of maybe putting down earth tones first in, uh, in a glaze fashion. And, uh, uh, but we must remember fat over lean, so the idea that you would want a, a sort of lean paint first and fatty mm -hmm. or oily paint coming in on top of that. Um, and so the old masters would do, um, they had a lot of problems in their paintings. We can see the Renaissance painters 
it looks like they only use browns and things like that, but all we have to do is look up at the Sistine Chapel and realize, obviously, they had bright colors. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the, the smoke was cleaned off of the Sistine Chapel that they realized how strong the color was in their paintings. Why was it so smoky? Were they having barbecues in that? <laughs> no, they weren't. No, it's very in the no, Sistine Chapel. Not in the Sistine. <laughs> no smoke from the candles and the incense. Oh, okay, yes. In incense. <laughs> okay, incense. it all becomes. But clear. I do think that what David's referring to is the freshness that you that you get from from putting paint onto the canvas very quickly. Uh, there's not a lot of mixing, um, you know. In so it's in, pure color. Yeah, yeah, it's pure color and it's layering of colors. I mean, it, at least what I read about Alla Prima um, is that um, you want to keep layering, and um, and when I think about it, I mean, in my own paintings and my own experience outdoors, uh, there is a quick layering of and gestural kind of painting um, so that you're putting your color notes in quickly you're trying to gain um, a design a composition in in kind of one go mm -hmm. you know so I would I would think we we keep emphasizing the painterly or the color notes of alla prima but I think there's a there's probably an in one go design element to it too yeah that could be the downfall of some of the ideas of a la prima because just for the sake of it being plain air and out of doors and that's exactly the way it looked as you said then maybe they're they're sacrificing a little bit of that thought process for good mm. design and just going from the point of view well it's all done in one go it's fresh these right. are, this is the way it looked Right. Well, that's the way it looked to the individual, uh, that one particular individual right. artist. Uh, I think you did a big piece well, yesterday. Well, I was just thinking so about... Explain that, because I, I was, thought that was a la prima. I was thinking about that when yesterday I um, I sat up in 1830 um, in, in the garden. I mean, it was in Essex Greenbelt, and uh, it's right at a pathway. There were... Um, there are a whole lot of uh, trees, you know, it's, it's June, uh, everything's in full bloom, um, I mean, with, uh, with a lot of vegetation, a lot of greenery. Um, I, in the designing of this piece, I actually reduced the thickness of, of a couple of clusters of trees, um, changed the nature of it to some extent, and I think that that, and did it all in this three-hour time span in which I was painting outdoors. So I was outdoors, I was on site, I was looking at the local color, looking at the local textures and uh, forms, yet I'm altering them design-wise so that it meets with what I would like to see on an 1830 canvas. Yeah, so it was successful from the design. Oh, that was the... So the Alla Prima is that, that, that all at once, one go, one sitting out of doors, yeah. two hours, three hours, whatever it would be. And it obviously, as we get bigger with our canvases out of doors and more ambitious to do a bigger canvas, um, this is, we change that. That technique has to change a little bit. Yeah. And Maybe I you think go it, after it with a bigger yeah. brush. Yeah. Um, but that would be one of the, the phrases. You know, some of these, some a lot of the modern phrases, like a la prima, was sort of adopted from the 15th century 
of the 16th century, and, and it was adopted as a use because it became, um, it became understanding. I think it comes out of the idea that you're in a rhythm of painting. Mm-hmm. We talked about painting with verbs, or uh, in verbs, not nouns. I think it's that rhythm that sometimes you get into, um, and you, and like it's like an automatic brush, is that you're hitting yeah. the right notes at the right time, just like just like a piece of music. I think it, it has a lot to do with that that sort of timing of things that you do, and and I think you work yourself into that state, so you aren't too deliberate. But you're caught up very in the, loose the ri- and, yeah, very yeah, loose and yeah. caught up in the rhythm of of this leading to this and this leading to, which I think is the natural manner of of designing things mm-hmm. is in that caught up in that of putting uh, one note one brush stroke down next to another and then not going back to remodel that particular exactly thing. exactly it's not that you're preparing it sometimes we go out and we prepare a painting for the next time out. This next mm-hmm. sitting, you know, that you're going to go out and paint. So you prepare your trees in a certain way and your fields a certain way, knowing that you're going to hit it again. I think what... Um, right, I was thinking about you hatch in and, and create all these, these ways in which there aren't any hard edges and then you can bring the painting back. Right. However, this is nothing like that. No, I, I think this is, this is much more uh, deliberate to yeah. the point uh, we talk about all the other phrases that are used, this direct painting method. We talked about painters such as Sargent and Soroyer and Zorn who all use this sort of technique of all mm-hmm. at one go. Um, and I think it's evident in their work it had that the paint has a rhythm and a flow to it, as well as their... I mean, Soroyer was always trying to capture people running down the beach and to paint that. Um, I, I think that's important, whereas... Uh, if you took even if we took the impressionists, they over they like Monet's haystack. Sometimes you go out and work on the same haystack at different times of day. So the same right. painting was later. Rowan Cathedral was different times. Different of the times, day. Of day, but it wasn't in one go. Sometimes right. Sometimes right, he'd right. bring that haystack back, but he would have his collection of his paintings that he had been laid in yesterday, and he needed he'd have somebody behind him handing him his ten o'clock hour painting. And then right, his ten thirty right. painting, and then his ten. I wish he, I had somebody yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, I, oh, so ahead. maybe, so maybe, if you're talking about it's going to be direct painting, it's got to be done, put down, and then not remodeled. But does that mean you can't have, say, the undertones from a painting that you did yesterday, if the final surface is all in one go? But oh, you know, put on top of a uh, where you've already sort of got the design um, in undertones or something like that. Does that still qualify? I mean, are there mm. our primal police who come around and say, <laughs> "Okay, you've you've obviously worked on this a, another day, so that's not our primal." Does it? Yeah, does th- it really matter? <laughs> uh, well, I think it can matter. I think I think if you could do it that way and had your stain correct and you did blocked it all in, so it was big blocks of strong, uh, massive color notes right next to each other, it might make it easier than to go in with a la prima. I think the real painters you um, see in the past, Franz Halls is a good one, and I remember my teacher pointing out a passage in this Halls painting of a, I think it was the Laughing Cavalier, or it might have been something along those lines, in which the, the gentleman is holding up a glass of port or wine or beer, whatever it did be of the day, and he's got a smile on his face, 
his cheeks are rosy, and uh, and Gamel pointed out this little passage over here was painted in one sitting, and it had a certain harmony and unity because of the Alaprim nature. I think that's why it caught mm. on, because it certainly has this. I think, uh, Connie, you were talking about your painting yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you start with a white ground, a white canvas? No, no. It was a painted... I, I paint over paintings a lot. And and some people, even yesterday, some people were asking me about, do I, you know, prime it with a white oil primer, um, you know, and hide that piece? I don't. Uh, I love the fact Isn't that... Isn't it confusing putting a new painting on top I of I don't find one? it confusing. I don't know. I just buzz over it, and and it it, uh, <laughs> and it, it comes... I mean, aspects of it come through, and some of it I like, and I might leave it for a while. Um, and then eventually I, I believe that I take out the, the former painting. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a, a painting that I've completed over another painting that I've left aspects of it in. But uh, but I believe people do that. Um, I was also going to mention something about mistakes in a la prima, that I think that when we're doing uh, another technique, um, we might be uh, obsessed with, well, that's that's the wrong line there or something. I think you can put dots and dashes and this and that and and leave them there and then go over them because it is wet into wet. And eventually the the piece uh, takes on a you know a whole holistic, a, a unified uh, yeah. uh, look. Okay, so we, are we talking about? Dots and dashes. Are we talking about happy accidents here? I think that would might be one way, but uh, no, I think the happy accident is something else. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, um, I, I think it's. I think you're in such a rhythm and such concentration of of putting the paint down next side by side that maybe you're all you're considering is the surface while you're painting. You know how thick did I paint this part? well, I better paint it this thick over here. Mm-hmm. You know, if I use the thin paint here, maybe I have to stay with the thin paint all over. Mm-hmm. So I think that idea of a la prima has a lot to do with, with understanding how you're building a surface. And a lot of times, the real good painters, I think, reach that point where they're not concerned about the drawing because that they're confident about the, getting the drawing right. And they're not concerned about the values because they know they'll get the values right. So it's really a, a technique that I, I think comes out of you um, just to say, wow, I'm really excited about what I see and mm-hmm. it's going to change. The colors are going to change. The lighting effect's going to change. So I better go really fast and get it. Um, also, too, if we think of a painter like Baldini, um, it seems like he's using the underpainting of almost like a semi-abstract or just a lot of colors that he throws on the canvas ahead of time, which looks like um, just colors and shapes. And out of that, he pulls the, the figure. He's a good figure painter. He'll pull the figure out of it. So you can see in some of his works where there's the beginning, there's the middle, and there's the end, and how much he refines it and pulls it out of that. And I think it's... I mean, Connie would know if it's psychological or not, but 
I think by looking at that abstract, rather than being confused about it, it's it's like it sets off it sets off the figure that much better, mm-hmm. because you're dealing then with forms. You're I'm just trying to get render the form of a face, and against an abstract pattern, it's a lot easier. As soon as I put down a flat note, uh, or a suggestion that this is a shadow of a mm-hmm. figure, and put it down against that that crazy mm-hmm. background. Boom! It has. It's really emphasizing the reality of the forms. Yeah, I hope one of these days that we can actually go to video so that you can see as David demonstrates pulling out from the from all these original colors and abstract shapes and how you get the how you create the form and boom and because the hand gestures are wonderful. So one of these days, <laughs> hopefully in the yeah, not right. too distant future. Uh, well, we'll be I, able to actually show this to you. I was also going to say something about the um, the projection. Like David's referring to, um, you know, if there's an abstract, um, you know, stuff that's on the, the canvas and you pull this out like Baldini did, um, that it has a lot to do with uh, projection. We think of the Rorschach ink blots. That's all mm-hmm. about projection. Uh, you see an ink blot, which has been standardized by psychologists, uh, so that a lot of people it, standardization means that it's been it's been looked at over and over in in sort of experimental uh, work, so that there are all kinds of uh, projections that are that are objectified, that are said, oh, this is definitely a teapot, or this looks like a bat, or whatever it is. And, um, but we all do that constantly. We know that we do it when we see cloud formations. Yes. We, um, you know, smoke that's flying up into the air. We might see it as some kind of dragon or something. And, and all those symbols uh, are, are part of this bringing something out of nothingness. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. Uh, Judy, uh, the question for you is, from an art historian's point of view, uh, when I did search the, and I know this is taboo among scholars, is to look <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Google? Did you Google? Oh, you never use Google for any information that you want to really find. You must use books. Um, no, you have, to have, you have to use whatever tools you have. You just have to not rely on one source. You have right. to be able to corroborate it from somewhere be- else. Because they had a group of painters down as Alla Prima, uh, which included some very great painters, and I admire them, and I could understand why they're... But they seem to be of the that certain period of time in which uh, the historians love to group painters. You know, this is, well, you're in the Impressionist group, you're in the Rococo period, you're yeah. the Baroque, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know... It's a technique, I would imagine, that the Alla Prima is more of a technique that can be used in the 20th century. I think there's many uh, living think, artists who are really using the Alla Prima technique yeah. and, and emphasizing it. Yeah, uh, well, I didn't realize until I, I looked it up as to, so, you know, who invented this? Is this just a new expression to describe something that artists have been doing? And then to mm. find that it goes back to the 16th century, uh, you know, it sort of took me back a little bit because I didn't realise it went back that far. Um, I guess you're always assuming that the contemporary painters of today are coming up with new ways of doing mm-hmm. old old traditions, but in actual fact, the oldsters have done this first and foremost. And um, it's it, painting basically comes down to a very personal 
point of view, I should think, and just, mm -hmm. you know, how you hold the brush and make your brush strokes, how you mix your colours. Um, so, which actually brings me back to another thought. Connie, you were talking at the beginning mm -hmm. about layering one colour on another colour, you know, wet in wet. But if you put one colour down on top of another wet colour... You're mixing. Yeah, so you're actually mixing extent. on the canvas, um, and then so that some of it remains think, pure and another bit sort of perhaps goes murky grey. Yeah, and it never goes murky grey. I mean, people talk about mud. Mud, mm -hmm. there I'm really sort of isn't. That's out. A, it's a misnomer, I think. Um, David may argue that it's that well, mud, mud is really exists. Well, but, I don't think, and that. you can get it in a tube too. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Buy it overseas; it's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. No, everything comes out of the mud, right? Yeah. And that, that's a good description yeah. of it too. But um, I think, and in, in that echoes what you said about color. Yeah. That um, pigment seems to go towards black, whereas light, the theory of light goes to light. I think yeah. that's a well understood. Or white. Yeah, a white. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think it's I think it's a technique, the sala prima, mm, in one go. But I think if if I was to go a little farther and because I think I've been practicing it now for ever since uh, I I got sick a year two years ago, practicing just a twelve sixteen in a short period of time. Can I do a twelve sixteen and have a finished look? What I would, you know, from pers my personal understanding of finish, in two hours. And that's, that's sort of been my goal for the past two years. And, the, um, and so it owes all a la prima in that sense. But it doesn't mean it's sloppy. It doesn't mean it's so fast that it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. I think it's the opposite. I think it's more accurate. If it's if it's effective, if you get it right, I think there's a lot of um, truth to that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that one go really? makes it. And it is it because I think that was your question. Is it because the ala prima? It's the, is it the layering of the paints that doing? Mm -hmm. I think it would be much better just to describe it as a constant rhythm that the artist put himself mm -hmm. in between. You know, deciphering the Rorschach uh, patterns <laughs> and putting them down as they see them, but it happens so fast, and you're making the decision so fast. There's very little room for mistakes. Yeah, is the way I guess you put it. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the that's what artists love that because I think they're experiencing the the whole creative process in a very condensed period of time. And they experience the whole creative process mm. in that time versus, um, I'll, well, I'll get back to this. You know, a painter who paints on a painting for, I don't know, you know six years? months, God. years, you know. So, I mean, that's that's fine. I understand that technique, too. But the ala prima just has a certain yeah. quality of freshness that we like. Yes, it has that immediacy because sometimes you can look at paintings and although, yes, they're, they're beautifully rendered, uh, they're so tight and, and sometimes they look like they're so laboured over that the artist looks like he must have been exhausted at the end of the process <laughs> just from working on the same thing instead of being exhausted from trying to get it down in one go. Right. But mm. I suppose everybody's got to have a different, a different, different effect, techniques. different feeling. And, and I think this has been brought in. I think Connie introduced it uh, earlier as being a good technique for landscape painters. Yeah. Uh, if they're interested mm. in capturing that moment in time and not just a picture, a pretty picture. Yeah. Uh, I had a student once used to call it uh, chocolate box covers. You know? yeah. 
I don't want to paint a chocolate box cover, David. I want to do a I want to do a work of fine art. Mm-hmm. So they considered it that way, and uh, but then you always question whether it's just because they want to have a gray looking painting because that looks more dignified. <laughs> gray and brown is more dignified than something with bright orange and bright yellow and bright red in it. Uh, I I disagree with that, and I think you can make color do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But um, Ala Prima, I think, yeah, is definitely a, a way of doing it. I think it's a great way of doing it. I see many portrait artists who um, really, the painters that we talked about in the scene, were mostly portrait artists. Fragonard, yeah. um, uh, Franz Halls, yeah. Velasquez, uh, mm-hmm. really, really going after mm-hmm. a look in a feature. Mm-hmm. I think some of the schools in those days, too, taught this gesture painting, yeah. well, which means a lot of memory and a la prima work that yeah. a fellow would be holding a glass in his hand above his head and then have to obviously couldn't hold that for you know more than an hour or so without tiring <laughs> and then hour. put his hand up so and probably would never bring it back to the exact same location so it wasn't a process of measuring it was a process of seeing the unity as soon as possible, all at once. And maybe that's what it boils down to, well, can, is seen at once, at yeah. first glance. Can you have a painting, particularly a larger painting, whether it's like a studio portrait or something out of doors, where um, you might have you know, completed part of the painting over a period of time, but then you just do a portion of it um, that direct painting to get that whole effect just in one, so that mm. a painting might be alla prima in this corner but not somewhere else. Does does that make sense? Um, I, th- I think unification, if, if it bothers the unity of the painting, I think yeah. then, then that's the then problem. Then you, would, yeah. you yeah. wouldn't do that. Then right. you'd have to sort right. of make it, yeah, to, right. to make everything look like it was done at the same time. Yeah, this that, right. um, I think we... But the, if you could achieve that, yeah. I think it would be successful. Yeah. In yeah. the MFA, there's a Paxton uh, in the museum collection, uh, Boston Museum of Fine Arts, a Paxton, unfinished Paxton painting of a nude. And um, it's unfinished, but it's it's wonderful because part of it is finished, yeah. and um, and so uh, bringing this ala prima theory into the painting, he probably started. Uh, he probably had painted the whole thing, kept it loose and fuzzies to move things around, and so then he said, "Oh, the arm is just the way I want it," and he painted it in one city. Yeah, that might be a good example of ala prima. In the museum, liked it and bought it and uh, hangs it. And it's a, not a finished painting. Yeah. Part of it is, is a la prima and part of it is finished. But then again, the other part looks as finished as that part too. I think that's what a good painter can do is, you know, if I said to a class, uh, 10 brush strokes only, but it's got to have a finished look. Obviously, we're going to talk about something that's sort of semi-abstract, but it's designed really well in 10 brush strokes. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, now you can use 100 brush strokes. What are you going to come up with? Well, something a little more refined. But those, those first few brush strokes have to be so expressive in capturing the, uh, the basic part of that painting. Um, I think it's, I think it's you, very important. You also bring up this, um, I, I don't know where I heard this, but um, that you want to achieve a finished look at every passage or every stage of of the painting's um, progress until it's it is fully finished, um, and and that that's 
that's also a place of uh, more sophistication. You know, a little than, bit, but um, it's basic. It's basic in the yeah. sense that uh, we, you know, what's the phrase, Judy, about um, um, uh, who was it that said, uh, you know, we, uh, a person who works with their hands is a... Yeah. Oh, the oh, yes. CC thing. Yeah, it's, um, well, it was attributed to Francis of Assisi, but I've seen various other people claim it as well. Um, a labourer works with his hands, a craftsman works with his head and his hands, uh, but an artist works with head, hands and heart. So yeah, I think I think it all applies. I mean, I think you have to be the craftsman as a painter, because you are doing a craft in the sense that that paint has to bond correctly to your canvas. If it's going to flap off in in three weeks, uh, it's not a very good painting, right? Nobody's and somebody bought it for a lot of money. I'm sure you're going to get the phone call saying. I want another painting because your paint just fell off the canvas well, here. So. All right, so that brings up a technical question. If you're painting wet in wet, instead of sort of doing glazing where you wait for it to dry and then put another layer on, do you run into problems where the one colour that's underneath takes longer to dry than the next colour you put on top? Is that going to cause problems it to should the surface? Be, the drying time is normally three days. And it's sort of based on white paint, lead white yeah. or flake white paint. And it's the strongest bond that any artist has in his repertoire of chemicals is the, the bond of uh, lead. And then you have the cadmiums. I mean, it always sounds like, um, you know, That's a shame you're making bombs when you're talking about lead yeah. and cadmium and... All the other and now uh, they, want, they want so, the artists buy it because they have to be protected from yeah, the folly. I, th <laughs> I think what you're doing there is going down the path of the surface. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the good craftsman understands if he put down this first stroke in this amount of paint, he's going to find the right amount of paint that covers the whole surface. Um, and that's interesting. I think um, that's a good point, though, about the, the surface finish. Right. You know, and maybe in Alla Prima, you will be able to master that finish in one go, which yeah. is also extremely important for an artist to understand. Um, it, it's either a thick uh, base, and, and I tend to think, in my readings of Alla Prima and, and my understanding of being outdoors, that it is going to be thicker than if you were trying to render this in the studio or something. Unless that's your technique, to, to create a thickly uh, based, um, you know, finish for, no. your, for your piece. Uh, an artist uh, who had... Um seen me demonstrate, asked, uh, she was a watercolorist, and she said, what would you tell me about the difference between watercolor and oils? Mm -hmm. And I really, at first, I was taken back because, gee, I mean, that's a hard one to mm -hmm. identify what the differences are. Because, as we all know, it's personal. The technique is personal. Um, you know, uh, what kind of brushes do you use? And the person mm -hmm. says, put it on with your big toe, but put it on right. Uh, that it, you know, every nobody looks at a sergeant and said, "Oh, use the number three uh, uh, filbert here or number five. You know, no, who cares? Nobody cares how you put the paint up there. So that 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 part of things is not uh, is is not important. But it's that how much paint you put on in an even way 
is the real answer mm -hmm. to the watercolorist because it's her paper decision that makes the watercolor different. Some people have a smooth paper, some people have a rough paper. It's the paper that's going to make the surface and not the paint. Mm -hmm. Whereas an oil painter remakes the surface of his painting. Um, Connie likes to paint on an old painting for many reasons, um, but it does have already a surface established. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that helps. So you can paint a little differently with a, a prepared surface. If, it, if I'm just using a white ground, I've got to make sure I cover it or try to cover it with this sort of the, the next layer of paint. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's the, it's the amount of paint you put on. And I think the speed in which we're talking about a la prima, the speed in which you're putting it on really helps you to put it on more evenly then if you're being too deliberate, yeah. thinking too slowly doesn't really help. Yeah. Okay, so to be a good artist, you have to drink a lot of coffee and work really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that. <laughs> okay, so it's we're nearly, point. <laughs> nearly out of time. So does anybody have any last thoughts they want to share? No. I can't yes. think of anything. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, well, that's good. So Except for happy painting, it's a beautiful day. It, out it here. certainly is, and I know, uh, I know, Connie and David are going out to uh, paint and teach this afternoon. So uh, we're going to wrap things up. I'd like to leave you with uh, another of my esoteric quotes here. I was looking up a good quote about Alla Prima painting, so I taped in Alla Prima. And what I got was uh, a quote here from Queen Elizabeth II, of all people. And uh, her quote was, Football's a difficult business, and aren't they prima donnas? But it's a wonderful game. And all I can say is, go England! <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, uh, we'll so bid you all a uh, goodbye and uh, have, a, have a great day. And thanks for listening. <laughs>